Alright fella, that's done any request. Can I play your guitar? Through Wonderwall. I'm a good singer, can I sing with you? Oh, give us another. Come on mate, one more song. One more song, 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 one more song. Right, welcome to the One More Songcast. My name's Luke. And I'm Lee. Today we have our, is it our fifth guest? Today? It is our fifth guest. And yes. it's the final episode in our sort of series as we move on to part two. So we've got the popular singer-songwriter, um, Just George. I'm under strict instructions to call her Just George, not Georgia. <laughs> um, before we start, what's the meaning behind Just George? Has it got a meaning or? Um, so when I was younger, um, my mum and dad used to call me Georgia, but kiss a lot. And I said, no, I'm just George. So then from that, that's where the name came from, just George. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So, it's so there is a bit of meaning behind it. <laughs> is there any meaning like, you know, you're not, you're not, um, you just are who you are kind of thing. You're just, you're just you. <laughs> you're living your truth. Yeah, your truth. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, it's just that. Basically. I'm just George. <laughs> that's a low battery, does it? Uh, no idea. No idea. Could it, mean, could it mean on the air? It could mean on the air, yeah. Right, so we start our podcast with uh, the same question, and it is what does music mean to you? It's a bit of an opener, it gets you thinking a little bit. <laughs> I don't know, I guess I've, I've grown up with music from like, my mum and dad. Um, so whenever I listen to music, it tends to be from like what my mum and dad used to listen to when they were growing up, because obviously that's what I've grown up with. Yeah. Um, but I guess like music is memories. Do you know what I mean? Like I think like when you play a song, you associate that song yeah. with like a memory or something that's happened to you in your life. Like I don't know about anyone else, but I definitely, you know, I've been through stages in my life where I've listen to different songs and I've connected with them in different ways because of what's been going on in my life so um yeah I guess like music is therapy in a sense definitely yeah uh, I mean that's that's actually come up quite a lot in everyone's answers but what was it your mum and dad were listening to that you were connecting with first (laughs) my dad was a mixed bag really used to listen to like um you know, like alternative 80s, like The Cure. All right, yeah. So then my dad's like into all that alternative rock, but then he he still plays it every day, <laughs> faithless. Right. Like insomnia. And if we ever have like a do at home or we're just having a few drinks, there's no doubt my dad will be poor going round garden to insomnia. Is that I can't get no sleep? Is that <laughs> yeah, <one>? yeah. <laughs> but what my dad used to do was, he used to drop me off at school in front of everyone in his car with faithless blasting and when I was in like year nine I thought it was really embarrassing and I was like stop playing that music and I'd get out and I'd be so embarrassed but now I'm like yeah I love these <laughs> your pole going around the garden yeah. with your dad as well <laughs> but my mum likes um she's into all like the 90s acid house and mm, all that okay, sort of yeah. stuff and that's interesting I wouldn't it? I wouldn't have put Donna in that bracket to be fair <laughs> no, no, no. but they like they like all sorts of like like beautiful south and yeah, stuff because yeah. that's that's their era so yeah but then also my dad He's grown up listening to like, I'm gonna tell you my dad's age now, I'm probably ever got me, but you know, like my dad's granddad who he was brought up by was 
during the war so he's he likes all that sort of music as yeah. well so that's where my influences come from from music as well cool i noticed um you'd done a bit of a promo video on your youtube channel and yeah. you'd said that you'd been you basically started off with like loads of sports playing tennis and football but you weren't really that into it i saw you mentioned team theme as well i used to go yeah. to team theme did you have team theme in your area no it was more just a chorley yeah. thing weren't it really i didn't play any football you didn't no i just did cartwheels around the pitch right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um so I, I saw you had singing lessons at about 12 and then you stopped um yeah. what was the reason for that then what, what how did that happen? i just went into it yeah i went I think, I don't know, it just weren't, I weren't, it weren't my vibe at the time, it weren't what I wanted to do. When I was at school, that's when I was having singing lessons originally, um, I, I wanted to be a dancer, I was doing dancing, I went to dance classes like every night of the week, I was in a formation team, and I was like, I want to be a dance teacher, I wanted to teach in a school. Okay. Um, and then I only sort of got into singing, sort of like towards the end of, um, my high school years and then it was I don't know I still even then I still wanted to be a dance teacher because I went and did a, a dance teaching degree at uni so that was what I was going to do right okay in a, in a secondary school I am actually a dance teacher though I've got my own dance school that um, I run on a Saturday and a Wednesday oh, so I do still do that right so so it was more dance that was your first passion then, yeah absolutely really. I've danced since I was about three I did right. ballet tap modern okay. I went on to do all sorts of stuff oh that's interesting yeah so when you've when you've had your singing lessons what sort of thing were you actually wanting to sing when you went back to it later on um to be honest i weren't sure because i was just singing what everyone told me to sing <laughs> <laughs> what the I teachers like yeah like yeah. i didn't really i didn't really think i were gonna be doing what we're doing now um i was just obviously i was singing at the song rooms which is over there yeah with, uh, so Anna. you sang there from like 18 or no 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 so when I first started singing, it might have been around 10, I started having singing lessons with um, some man. And, um, <laughs> he's, called, he's called David, I, I think. I can't really remember his name. Um, I can't remember much about him, but we're, we're a bit of a blur. <laughs> but, um, so I was having singing lessons with him and then I stopped because I weren't really... I think we used to sing like Disney songs and right, stuff, yeah. like songs that would suit my age. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, not vibing with it. Mm. And then, I don't know if you know Joe Keegan. I haven't heard I of the name, actually. He's an Irish dancer, family friend. And me and my mum and dad went and seen Joe singing. And we was like, oh my God, he's amazing. And my mum went up to his dad, Mike, and was like, um, who's taught your son how to sing? And then that's how we got into the song rooms. Ah. And my mum my and dad have always like pushed me to do all these things. Yeah. So without my mum and dad saying, you're going doing singing lessons, mm. I probably won't be doing what I'm doing today. So. Yeah, it was more of a case of just try everything and basically yeah. see what you like kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's kind of the good way to do it, I think, as a parent. Yeah, I think really? just give, give your kids the opportunity to do everything to find like what you they, say. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, you'll find what you like. So when, when you went back to it then, were, you said there was no intent. When did you start to think, okay, this actually might be something I want to do? <laughs> I think... Do you know what? I can't remember, but I do think my mum and dad might have gone, you're, you're actually... A... I think my mum and dad, they used to do showcases at the song rooms. And um, 
like you had to get up on stage and sing your own song and my mum and dad they'd not really heard me sing properly and they mm. was like oh god what's you gonna be like <laughs> and they was like oh my god you you're actually all right so from then they was like we, we think you should you know keep singing but my voice when i first started singing is completely different to what it is now well, because isn't it? yeah it just improves as the years go on. But yeah. Have you ever looked back at videos of when you very first started and thought, I did it the other day, I looked back at like a video from about six years ago and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. what the hell was I doing? Yeah. Like you try and sound like who you like at the time. I think it was George Ezra for me. And I was like, homegrown, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so obviously, um, I, I saw on the, on the promo videos, oh, you'd said that um, one of your very first lessons, your mum and dad was stood outside the window yeah. listening to you and they were like, oh, <laughs> not sure about this, uh, but yeah. Yeah, they were. <laughs> so what did Anna do? What did Anna's, say, what were Anna's singing lessons like to keep you interested in that? Because obviously you said you weren't feeling the vibe, you were doing Disney songs. What was she getting you to do differently, would you say? I guess I could sort of feel the improvement week on week, whereas before I just sort of felt like I was just singing songs, whereas I think Anna actually teaches you how to use your voice properly, because obviously it's a muscle, mm. um, and it, she gives you, they give you like, um, sort of like, what do you call it, not the terminology, With but... Techniques. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like techniques behind like what it is that you're doing and how to actually utilize your voice bit of the science science yeah, yeah which i think is really useful because i i mean i didn't even know that your voice was a muscle no i wouldn't have known I before like, i started wow, okay mm. yeah i think that's what i learned as well because I, I went with like a classical teacher it was just simply exercises not even working on songs or anything and then like like you say yawning into stuff and yeah all that it did, definitely did open my eyes a bit as well mm. so uh so you said then that you went from basically having these lessons to just one day deciding that you're going to do Chorley Live, is that yeah. right? So was that your first gig in front of people? Yeah. Yeah, and so... I don't know why. So yeah, so what was the thought process behind that then? I just threw myself into it. Yeah. I was like, they put a post out, I must have seen it on Facebook and they were like, oh, apply for this, um, you know, we're looking for artists. It weren't paid or anything and I just thought, I'm going to do it. Mm. And that was that, and I went home and I said, Mom, I'm going to do Charlie Live. And she went, what? I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put half an hour together and I'm going to go and sing. And I absolutely cracked my pants. I was <laughs> shaking like a leaf. Um, but yeah, and I just went and did it. I don't, I, I don't think I have much thought process behind those things. I just go, boom. That's, just, just, that's probably just, not a bad thing, I just do it? them. <laughs> yeah. I always find myself, I always find that I put myself in really like stressful situations. But I think I like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, you're almost. I like being stressed and nervous mm. and anxious and. It's the afterwards, innit, where you've actually done that. And yeah. You're like, yeah. Yeah. Come on. The pride. I mean, what? So what sort of songs were in your first set? I was just about I, to ask that. Yeah. I still actually sing some of them now. Okay. I think my opening song was "Kiss Me." Oh one. yeah. Um, I Classic. did an, an Avicii song called "Addicted to You." Um, Riptide, which I still sing now sometimes. Oh, I think I did I, Sweet Dreams and Eurasia. Yeah. And I did my own, one of my own songs. Oh, so you'd already written a song before you'd even... Yeah, I had. Yeah. yeah. Was that on your guitar? Because I know you do yeah. play a little bit of guitar. So you did it You uh, did it acoustic yeah. guitar and vocals as well. I did. I, I, when I first started, I thought... 
I looked at everyone on the circuit and I thought, they all play like guitars and it's acoustic and I thought, that's what I want to do. But then I was like, maybe it's not because of the sort of music that I was doing because it's a little bit, you know, it's really dancey. Mm. And I feel like, I'm not like saying that people who play guitars, it's it's not good or anything. I'm not saying that at all, but I feel like uh, with a guitar, with certain styles of music, you lose yeah. some of the elements of you know, the track, yeah. if it's not with a backing track, especially like dance music, cause it's beat driven. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, you to... can recreate that with like a loop pedal or mm. or something, but it's just not the same. No, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, with them genres particularly. Um, so, Chorley Live then, how did it go? How did the actual gig go? Oh, it were amazing. Was it, yeah? I did, I did, I think it were in the Prince of Wales, not Cowling, uh, the one in town. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it were amazing. And then I did, um, do you know Critchley's? Uh, I'm not sure if that's it's, it's a food stall on the oh, market. Right. It's outside, so I did out there. They had like a little stage that were amazing. Um, and then the day after, I went and did the Rolls and Crown. Um, so this is all within Chorley Live. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, for those who don't know what Chorley Live is, it's basically <clears throat> they have them in most towns, don't they? Where they basically yeah. for the full weekend, you can basically go and sing in a sweet shop, can't you? On stalls yeah. in pubs, they kind of. Um, it's just one big music event for people. It's of all abilities as well, really, isn't it? And all yeah. experiences. Um, yeah, and I think the difference is you, you get a different clientele to what you'd normally see in those pubs. Yeah. Anyway, um, so like we played Sam's Bar at, at Chorley Live last year and we've been back twice and it's just there's the people that were in there on Chorley Live yeah. are not in there now. Yeah, so you do get to... It's a strange one. Mm. But I got my first paid gig from doing the right. first Charlie Live, so that's how I got into the Rose and, Gra- uh, Rose and Crown. So it basically moved from you biting the bullet and going and doing that gig to then yeah. getting a paid gig. So I imagine that was pretty, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Confidence boosting, yeah, basically. Yeah, amazing. You've gone from n- not really performing in front of anybody to then getting a paid gig, yeah. so that's cool, yeah, yeah. So, so go, on. go on. No, go on, you mate, go. <laughs> when did you switch to backing tracks? Was it after those first few gigs you realised that you probably needed something more or? Was it? Was it? I, I played guitar for a while, so I did a mix of both. I think you do as well, don't you, Luke? Uh, I used to. I've actually just moved <laughs> on to acoustic now. As a, I, I kind of have a, a, not an opposite opinion to you, but I get a little bit like, oh, I'm a, a lad, I should really be... Because there's not many lads, is there, that actually sing to backing tracks? Well, well there is, but um, you see most lads playing acoustic guitar, so yeah, I've been a little bit like forced to go the other way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think I must have played guitar in my sets for about six months. And then I just felt like I'm not an amazing guitar player. I'm having lessons with uh, Phil Island. Oh yeah. And I was just like, I were I were enjoying my lessons with Phil because I like Phil. I've known him for ages, um, but I was just like, it's not for me. Like playing guitar, it just I weren't enjoying actually playing guitar live. I preferred it. I like dancing round yeah. and you know like connecting with my audience and I feel like not that you can't connect with your audience but I feel like if you're holding a guitar I can't like bounce around and, <laughs> and dance as much and I can't go out into audience as much and yeah you know connect with them and have a dance and obviously as I said I felt like with the genre of music that I was doing at most venues it just it weren't suited yeah so it's an interesting perspective because I, I, I kind of hear it from the opposite side um which yeah. is interesting it is interesting yeah like I I get that I, I love live music like obviously playing guitar and vocals and obviously like having a live band and stuff you can't beat it but 
Yeah. It didn't work for you, basically. That's the main thing. You felt like it limited you. I mean, there are ways around that. You can get wireless systems for your guitar, but you have to get the right one. It it can make it very difficult. It's interesting. I know we're going on a bit of a tangent, but whilst we're on this topic, I've been playing in a duo with you recently, haven't Mm. I? And my granddad started coming out on drums with me as well. So I I did a gig with you on Friday, didn't I? And then a gig with my granddad on Saturday. And then I went back to going on my own on Sunday. And I was like, oh, God, I hate this. I was like, it's so bare. It's like you get used to it. And then when you step out of that and come back into it, you're like, oh, my God, you know. See, I've never performed with anyone else, really. I've only always performed on my own. Yeah. I did at one point before all of COVID happened. I was going to start like a little band. I had a bass player and a guitar player and me on vocals and I was just like I can't find reliable people to stick with me and all be at a rehearsal at the same time and I'm like what if we turn up to a gig I thought I was in an originals band um they were quite unprofessional (laughs) so I sort of like binned them off we had a festival box now I, I think of myself as like quite professional I would never cancel a gig or anything but they'd seen pictures of this festival that we were playing at online and it were only early in the day and they were like oh we're not going because there's no one there mm. and it was the first gig and I was like mm, okay yeah. I don't want to deal with people like that yeah that's fair enough I do get that I've, I've had that before in <clears> one of my uni bands and it just you know you're there now and like I think it was just because this jazz quattro uh, jazz quattro were on yeah a quartet sorry and it was like Quattro. Quattro. Wilkinson Sword. <laughs> now, um, they, they, they were on and one of the guitarists loved jazz mm. and was all of a sudden like, oh, we can't follow them. I was like, why are we even comparing? We're, we're, we're a fucking rock band. I know. <laughs> it, it's, it is stupid how people just get to a gig and they think, all oh, right, we're playing to no one. Like, it's somewhere to start, isn't it? I know. Definitely. I, know I think you get gigs like that. Like, oh, God. I can have one gig one night on a Friday and it'd be absolutely rammed and then comes to Saturday and there's four people there. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've sang to no one. Like there's literally, yeah. I've, you know, my mum and dad. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Georgia. How did you deal with that in the early stages? Because it's, it's a very difficult thing for a lot of people to overcome and it actually puts a lot of people off. Yeah. Do you know what? It doesn't actually bother me. <laughs> it really doesn't bother mm. me. Like, I don't know. I don't mind. Obviously, it'd be better if there were loads of people yeah. there. But it is strange. I I, I found <clears throat> when I was in that transition between guitar and backing tracks, <clears throat> I'd hate singing to backing tracks when no one was in there because I didn't know what to do with my hands and yeah. stuff like that. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes the guitars are hiding place as well. It's yeah. a, it's a strange one. But uh, I so, think go on, go on. <laughs> I think because I've had I'm a dancer originally. Yeah. I know what to do with my limbs. Someone <laughs> else has said that to me. They was like, it's great that you know what to do with like your arms and your body and mm. stuff. There's like, we just, we just don't know. Yeah. Go some dance classes. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll teach you. I suppose they do, they do intertwine a little bit, don't Class they? Class tonight, really? Wednesday. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. I'll see what I'm doing. <laughs> <ball in> <laughs> I'm at rehearsals, unfortunately. For sure, it's Saturday as well. <laughs> How did it go then from, so you got your first booking at the Rose and Crown. I think that was my first gig as well. I feel like we started at similar times, to be fair, about, what, about 2018, 19, something like yeah, that. Yeah, right before COVID. Yeah, yeah. So I actually got loads of gig bookings. Um, I'll tell you how I got all my gig bookings. <laughs> so me and my mum sat down and I was like, ah, this is what I want to do. 
Um, and obviously your message around venues, you know, they have live music on on like Facebook and whatever. A lot of the time they don't get back to you, mm. which is really crap yeah, as someone who's part. wanting to start out as an artist. Um, and you're like, well, what do I do then? And the only other option is to go in and speak to them in person. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like that's really daunting. Yeah. You know, like going on your own, speaking to someone. And my mum was like, well, I'll be able to do it. My mum can sell snow to Eskimos, by the way. So, <laughs> she, so did you go with her then? Or did yeah, she just she was, do it for she you? she was selling me. So right, okay. Well, and you like, just stood there with your head down. Like, <laughs> no, I was like... <laughs> Please, love me. This is just George. <laughs> um, but yeah, my mum... My mum used to do sales. So she's like, yeah this girl singing in your pub and my mum was literally like I'm not leaving till uh, I get a date booked in wow. for my daughter so that's how I got all my gig bookings at the beginning I see. Um, but then we got all them and then Covid happened and we lost them all so then we had to when we came back we had to like rebuild and that's how the collective started mm. so obviously when you came back from Covid you then started running open mics didn't you so <laughs> yeah wh- where did that come about or how did that come about, we should say? Where was my first one? Might have been The Crown in Chorley. I can't remember, I think. It was from like a networking perspective. And obviously the flip side of it was um, as a singer, you need work as yeah. well. So obviously like running open mic nights and we were just start, started sorting the collective and we sort of had artists coming through there. So that was sort of like linking into doing the open mic nights and um, yeah, it were a bit of networking. And then obviously I needed some work during the week and if I could get it, I would do, but yeah. yeah. Just to rewind you a little bit because yeah. we're trying to keep this section to yeah. sort of early days. <laughs> Um, we want to go into your agency and everything. Um, what? So what? You you obviously got your gig at the Rose and Crown. That went well. You got paid for that. Then you got maybe got gigs off the back of that. What did you find your your challenges were in the early days um, of gigging? Let me think back. Or was it all just plain sailing? I mean, hmm. I guess I felt. One of them was getting in at venues. Yeah. Getting in at new venues. Um, but obviously that, that wasn't that much of an issue with my mum. <laughs> yeah, so um, you, you kind of got a little bit of help with that then, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and... Did you find that you were doing gigs at the beginning for, like, really bad money as well, just because you could get gigs? Or, or did you... Because I found it difficult at the start to know how to price myself, really. No, not really, because... I went and spoke to people and I was like, what's what's the going rate? What do mm. people get paid? And that's what I go in at. Yeah. I don't think anyone should pay any less for an artist. No, I agree. Like, I felt like it was a bit of a touchy subject, especially because I didn't know anybody in the music world. So I, didn't, I, was, I, wasn't, I think you I do when ask. you're doing it on your own. Yeah. It's, I think it's hard asking for money and asking for what you want, especially when you're doing it on your own. It's not as bad when you've got someone doing it for you. Because yeah. they're like, this is what you're getting paid. Do you know what I mean? And that's how it is, because it's not you, it's not going, this is what I want. Like, I hate asking for money and stuff. 
Like I used mm. to get, you know, like at the end when you go and ask the venue for your money. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Here's my invoice. Yeah, literally. Yeah. It does get like that. I think, I think a lot of people like, you fall for it at the beginning. Like, oh right, yeah, we'll do it for this price as an introductory fee. And like, well, actually, no. You've seen videos of me. I've just shown you everything. Like, yeah. You think I'm good enough to play in your pub? Yeah. Why are you trying to get me on the cheap? Yeah. Like, I do find that rude. everyone just wants everything for no money at all. Yeah. And that's fine, but you also get what you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if time. you want to pay £80 for someone that just does it as a hobby and probably maybe can sing in tune or whatever, <laughs> but they're probably not that good at what they do, then that's fine, but... Are they going to keep your people in that you want yeah. in your venue? Are they are they going to entertain them? Because essentially that's what you're there to do. Mm-hmm. You're there to entertain people and keep them in drinking. That's what they're paying you for. Yeah, definitely. So. I, I think people get um, a little bit annoyed about when people do charge £80 because they say it brings the whole market down, don't they? But yeah, I don't really see it that way. I just think well, if you want to go out for that, you go out for that. I'll, you know, it's, I it's think it for is. bands it does more. Yeah. Because uh, you'll get, you know, no disrespect, but you'll get retired old bands that just doing it just to get out on a Friday and Saturday night and they'll go out and charge 150, 200 quid for a four or five piece band and you're thinking, what? Like, we're traveling here, well, we've got five cars coming to this gig and you're not willing to pay more than 250 or 200 quid. Like the minimum should be, uh, for a band should be 350. And that's what, that's what we've, we've put our foot down now and we won't go out for any less. The odd one where it's a plug in and play will go out for less, but generally we won't go out for any yeah. less than 350 because of that issue yeah. but I think solo artists it's, it's really easy because they'll go oh yeah we've got a 200 quid budget and you'll be like right fine then I'll take the 200 quid because mm. well, you're fitting within their budget not necessarily do that but depending where it is obviously but one thing that I've started saying now to venues is when they're like what's your fee I'll just go what's your budget because then <laughs> you're not quid. <laughs> you're not you're not going you're not going in at something that they yeah. don't want to pay. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's fair enough. So, w- during that time then where you, you're starting to push for venues, your mum's starting to get you into regular gigs, were you working jobs as well to subsidise for that? Were you going to uni at that time as well yeah. and, and balancing all that? I was at uni. I think I was in my third year, so I was doing my dissertation at this point. And what were you studying at uni? Uh, dance teaching. Right, okay. Um, and in it were quite it's quite um, intense because like, uh, you know most courses they're only in like two three days yeah. I was in every day half nine till half four and I was also working full time pretty much I used to work at Burger King at Charlotte Richard oh, Services right, yeah. so I'd literally be doing half nine well obviously ha- about half seven till half four at uni and then I'd go and do a late shift at Burger King same again next year and then um Obviously, I was getting more gig bookings, so I ended my notice in at Burger King. Thank God. Did that feel like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, just like a big moment, like you could kind oh, of like amazing. stick your fingers up to Burger it King kind of thing. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd worked in KFC at Charlie. Like, as soon as I turned 16, I got a job there. Um, I didn't really like it. I didn't want to be doing it, obviously. It was crap money. We were like £4 an hour. <laughs> And then obviously I went to Burger King and then I started singing and then it was just like such a big relief. But then there was sort of this pressure of, oh my God, I've quit my job. Obviously I've got like a car to pay for and you know, like other things I had to pay for. And I was like, what if I don't get a gig? 
now, now that I've quit my job. Mum was like, don't worry, I'm here. <laughs> I will get you a gig. I was like, okay. Right, we're going to have to call it there. Um, yeah. We've only got a couple of minutes left. So I uh, hope you've enjoyed hearing about George's early part of her life. And we'll, uh, we'll move into sort of a, a mid-career. Is that a thing? <laughs> we'll see you shortly. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? It's me, the daddy. Just wanted to take a moment out of the episode to promote a certain somebody today. A certain Stephanie Collette that has been helping us out, getting us started with filming, with lighting, with a little bit of photography as well. So big shout out to Stephanie. You can find her in Chorley at her studio. It's above the Blue Light Cafe, I believe it is. She does web design, photography. She does filming as well. She does all sorts of things in that sector. Um, and we'd really like to promote her. So her details are going to be in the link in the description below. So you can check her out if you want anything that's music related or, or even just family shoots she can do as well for you. So a whole range of things. And she's really good. We can vouch for that as well. So go check her out. Back to the episode. I'll see you later. Right. Welcome back to part two of the just George episode. I'm, I'm getting more used to it now. <laughs> so we've talked about your early experiences with music and um, sort of how you got into gigging, basically just threw yourself into it. Um, what, were you, what were your challenges? We've talked about your early challenges, <clears throat> um, but what was it like getting used to like equipment and sound and that kind of thing? Because that was one of my struggles in the early days and I had to get a bit of help with you from that as well. Was that tough? Oh, I've definitely had issues with sound. Um, my first system that I got was like an all-in-one PA system. Is it Behringer? Yeah. Is that how you yeah, say it? Yeah. Behringer. Um, and it was just like two speakers that only connected to the PA. And um, like it, I just found it weren't loud enough. It was all right for an acoustic guitar, but for backing tracks, it just, for some reason, it just weren't loud enough for the venues that I was doing. Um, I couldn't get my sound right. I didn't really know much about levels. I didn't. I, I didn't even know what reverb was. Right. There was no effects on my voice. Oh, and then it wasn't until someone came and listened to me and was like, "You sound all right, but you could sound a lot better." And then they they sort of like told me, taught me a lot about sound. Um, and I got a new system. I've got two altos now. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I love. They're great for singing. Yeah, definitely. Um, but you do get a lot of people that have different opinions. And yeah, there's a lot going of out using them. Yeah, there's a lot of contradictory advice with sound and, and tech and that, isn't there? And that's quite yeah, tricky definitely. sometimes. We're getting a lot of feedback and stuff. Like that's what I struggle with. I bought a new sound system, turned up to this venue, and it was like, boom, boom. When I was like, everyone was oh, claiming no. out the pub. And I'm like, oh my God, what do we do? <laughs> well, I weren't getting feedback. It was just sort of like cutting out... Um, it were cutting out on my original speakers because it was clipping. Ah, yeah. So if my voice was too loud, which mm. it needed to be because you couldn't hear it over yeah. the music, um, it had then cut out the sound. And I was like, I couldn't work out why that was happening. I couldn't like, really turn it, it down it. because it wouldn't have been loud enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, these altos that I've had, I've, I've blown them. <laughs> I blew one speaker. I was outside at a gig at the Wishing Well in Lost Dog Hall. And I, I didn't have a monitor, and I was like, obviously you can't hear in front of the speakers because you're behind them. And I was like, um, I didn't think it was loud enough, so I kept turning it up. And then I would do my dance music, which was really bassy. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that sounds strange. And then I got home and it had blown. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> I wow. know. So now I've got a spare speaker because that. But actually, I'm a lot better with sound now. Yeah. A lot better than I was. 
Um, but just because someone showed me, yeah, I'd be happy is, to help. I wouldn't help someone with sound. I'd probably tell them to go to someone else because I don't really know a lot. But but you know what you I need know to what do I for need your to know. thing. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I've had to learn sort of through trying and testing bits really I've like watched other people when they're doing sound I just go to the desk quickly and just see what settings they've got on my mic or whatever um, but I find that it does just change from venue to venue so you think oh yeah I've cracked it now you do three or four venues on the run they're good mm. next thing particularly with the band this like next thing with getting the levels up yep it's all sounding good Chris in the band starts singing and all of a sudden he stops singing then we get this Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I think so, every venue is different, though. Yeah. Like, the sound in every venue is going to be different because yeah. they're a different shape. And then, obviously, the people that are in there, there's obviously a different amount of people. I find some venues, I'll start off with it quiet. Not quiet, but the yeah. volume that it needs to be. And then all of a sudden, they'll just be this big like herd of people coming in and then you can't hear me so yeah. then i've got a mess with my levels it kills your reverb as well <clears throat> and everything doesn't it yeah have you ever done that where you've um, i've done that before where you start singing and you've left the reverb off completely and yeah. you're just like you forgot about oh, it shit, i've just done five songs with no effect on at all it will sound just so dry <laughs> like so you've um you've you've stuck your fingers up to burger king you've uh, you've started to go full time do, do you feel like in those uh, in those places as well they're just so rude to you aren't they? like when you work in burger king and then do you mean customers I, and staff to be honest i used to work in the harvester oh i used to get into clashes every day because people talk down to you and i was the same i come out and i'm like right i'm sort of going with my own business now i, I can kind of be my own boss did you feel a little bit like that when you i used to leave those places feeling so deflated yeah definitely you just feel like you're a number yeah and I just hated it. I, I enjoyed the actual work, but the people that I was working with, everywhere I've worked, and I started feeling like it was me. Mm. I was like, is it me? Am I, am I the problem here? But I was like, I just think, I don't know. They don't treat you with respect. No. You just, I, at one point, I were working, they had a shift manager let him down, and he had 20 hours that um, it just dropped on everyone. I already had 30 hours and I picked up these 20 hours and I think what I were doing was actually illegal. I got a free meal <laughs> as a thank it you. Is, it is mental, Ali, how they can get away with yeah. stuff like that. And then the, and then on the zero hour contracts, they threaten you then with five hours the following week or whatever. That's why yeah. I used to go for it. It'd be like 30 hours this week. Oh yeah, we're only going to give you five this week. And I you're know, just it's like- It's terrible. Yeah, I'm glad I've left them days behind, but that's kind of what I cling on to now is like, you know, it's like you, you kind of are your own boss now and it kind of feels a little bit invigorating but well, at the same time scary because you don't want to go back to that do you i was speaking to someone and i said uh, i go on this singer social and it's like where a group of singers all get together and they all go out for a meal and they do a bit of networking and um i said to this girl i said do you, do you not get some gigs where you're just like oh I can't be bothered because you do like oh, yeah. even if you're just doing a normal job you get days like that mm. and sometimes I'm just like I really can't be bothered with tonight and she said yes but I remember where I've come from and I just remember that I'm so grateful that I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm not working in my local Tesco anymore and no, I was like true. okay yeah, and I does. think like that now it is true like, it puts it into perspective of you for you because <clears throat> yeah you do think sometimes you might have a longer drive and then even though it's what we love and what we do you still get the days that like you forget that it's still your job and you mm. can still be knackered you can still not want to do gigs because yeah. your voice doesn't feel right you don't feel right it's just like i don't feel like performing today i just want to sit in my bed yeah. and, and not see anyone and then you've got to go out and do that because 
that's, yeah. that's your job. And do you find that affects that. your performance when you go to those gigs? Um, no, I think I've just once I'm going, I'm fine. I think like if if I'm in that mood, like I'm like. Oh. But first few songs, mm-hmm. it just takes me a little bit longer to get into that headspace yeah. of, come on. It is the thought of it sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think sometimes, like, I'll just do the first three or four songs when I'm really not really that bothered. I'll just do the first three or four songs where I just go one song straight into the other and then I'm back in the routine. Yeah. Someone will shout something and you just get the heckler in and that's it. But those gigs, when, when you're feeling like that, weirdly end up being the best gigs because mm. you suddenly get a lively crowd out of nowhere yeah. and you're just like yeah going there you can't be bothered and then you get a lift once you realize the crowd are into what you're doing but then on the flip side i've been like really buzzing oh i had a really good gig here last time it's going to be random yeah. it's going to be loads of people there i've gone in there's no one there i'm still in my good mood mm. i've done about five songs and then they're literally not even like interacting with me or anything yeah. and i'm yeah. like oh it is the expectation that kills you with, with gigging, I think. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I rarely have expectations or anything. I always feel like when you're dead excited about something, it always goes not the way you wanted it to. Mm. Whereas if you're just like, oh, I'm going to do this gig tonight, mm, it, it tends to go better, I think. I don't know, it's a mentality thing, I think. I think I just, yeah, every gig's the same for me. I try and keep it like that because mm. otherwise you will just, you can't get too high with the highs and too low with the mm. lows. You will just be either really disappointed yeah. or overly ecstatic and then you forget you've got another gig tomorrow which has the potential to go wrong, really. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing your gig. So um, so was it, it was during lockdown then. So obviously your mum was effectively your agent without being a, a, a typical agent that somebody would have because obviously she's your mum. Yeah. Um, so then you were gigging safe, I don't know, a couple of years, was it, before lockdown? And then during lockdown, you then decide that it might be best to create your own agency. Um, so what was the thought about that? Had you looked at the landscape of, of gigging and thought it would be better um, to go that way? Had you dealt with agents as well before you went into agencies? Or was it just your mum that was getting you your gigs? I had. When I originally started, I thought I would have needed an agent. Mm. But I didn't because I had my mum. <laughs> but um, I contacted someone and he, um, I just decided not to deal with him anymore because every week he'd be like, I didn't actually do any gigs for him at right. all. He was like, I can give you 70 gigs um, across the year. Um, and he booked all these gigs in for me. The pay was actually really good. Um, and then he was like, he just cancelled a lot. Yeah, what, well, close just, to the date as well. And Yeah, yeah he, he just cancelled a lot and I thought doesn't really feel very reliable and there's no going through an agent there's not really um there's no relate there was no relationship with him like he'd never seen me in person it was just a talk on the phone have you got a video of yourself singing da 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 never met him before didn't even know what he looked like and then that was that there mm-hmm. were no relationship built there at all um and then my mum i think she had someone ask her if they could get him a gig or something. I think it might have been Chris that she started booking for first. And she just went in somewhere and she was like, oh, we know someone that would be fantastic for this venue. And then it just sort of went from there, really. And then we had a few artists at the beginning. Um, and yeah, that's, that's just how the collective started because she thought if I can do it for me, 
which can do it for anyone else. That makes sense. So some of the scepticism you had about agencies, obviously you said, um, was it tricky as well going through an agent and then, because I don't deal with many agencies, but um, what I have thought about before is like, say they just offer you these gigs and you don't know what you're walking into. Whereas yeah. if you're doing it yourself, you, you know where you're going basically. Yeah. And was there any gigs that you'd sort of been given in the early days before your mum? that you were like oh god this gig is just not right for me i've heard stories before where like classical singers have gone into like working men's clubs and been paid off and that kind of thing because it just isn't right and the agent just wants their cut if that makes sense did that happen to you in the early days um no i don't think so because i've always gone on with i've always gone into my gigs and my performing with the mindset of there's going to be a mixed age range in there Mm. so i need to adapt my set to every age age range so my set's like quite vast it's got a lot of different stuff in so say if I was performing at a care home I'd be able to do that or if I was performing at a working men's club they're obviously going to be the clientele are going to be a lot older so I've always sort of had a mixed bag of stuff which has been quite good for me and I think if anyone's ever going to do gigging or anything then I would say that you'd have to be versatile yeah. if you wanted if you wanted to be successful at what you're doing and you wanted to you know have it as your full-time job and earn money for it I'd definitely like try and be as versatile as possible because you've got to yeah I think that's probably one of the biggest compliments I get personally um and I obviously I've seen your set you Take on some, you take on some ch- uh, challenging songs. Like I would never attempt Bohemian Rhapsody personally, <laughs> but I mean, that I think is the most important thing. Like planning a set list. Sometimes you can not be that good, mm. but just have the right songs in your set. Yeah, and people sing along to him and don't even hear you. So even if you're having a crap night, you've still got people into it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, going back to your um, your agency. Part. obviously I was one of the first I was one of the first to sign up I believe yeah. it what did you find the challenges were of being an agent because obviously you've got like Luke mentioned the skepticism towards agencies but loads of people will have had bad experiences with agencies what did you what were your intentions and what did you struggle with in regards to that so it isn't me that actually deals with all the bookings it's my mum so when me and my mum first went into it um i was doing we were doing showcases in different venues so obviously you people like yourself would come and perform and if the venues wanted those people in their venues they'd seen it live first and then they could book from there so that was the side that i did and i did the tech side and sorted out the subscriptions and stuff at the beginning and my mum was doing all the bookings for everyone because if two people are doing that, it's a lot harder because we don't know where each other are yeah. up to and with having so many people. So from my perspective, seeing what my mum goes through as an agent, um, it's really stressful. So obviously, I think as a performer using an agent, you only see one side of it. You see, oh, they've booked me a gig, that's it, I go and do it and I get paid. but. What other people don't see is all the cancellations behind it. Like if someone cancels, say on a Saturday night, that's then on my mum. Mm. Or you know, if someone's ill or if something goes wrong, they ring up my mum. Uh, someone's not turned up or someone's been double booked or yeah. this or that. And then you know, you've got to spend hours then sorting, you know, something else out and sorting everyone out and making sure everyone's like happy with the service that they've got. And I think. 
the other thing is artists going behind your back as an agent and we did it it wasn't something that we thought would ever happen but it does and it happens all the time and it's always the people that you trust the most right. they go behind your back like i don't think people understand so we work on a basis where we're like quite close with our artists we have a good relationship with them um you know we speak to them on the phone we work out what they want um and you know we, we try and do what's best for both of us um and then when they go behind your back and they go and try and get in with the venue, obviously if you've got someone in a venue and then the idea is if you go behind the agent's back and go and try and book in with that venue on your own, then, you know, that's just... You've got no loyalty to us at the end of the day. I see. If you understand what I mean. Yeah. So, so is it more like that sort of um, that 12-month rule kind of thing where if, if you book through an agency, you're not, you're not then allowed to book through yourself um, for like 12 months or whatever the contract is, you know? Is that, is that what but you mean? But we don't have contracts no. because yeah. we, just, we just thought, you know, we're, we're building this relationship with these artists. There should be that trust there. And if, yeah. if you're going to be disloyal, then, you know, we're not going to book gigs for you anymore. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. And we find that a lot of people, they try and be really sneaky about it, but for some reason we always find out. Yeah, well, you will do. And it, you? it doesn't give them a, the artist a good reputation. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like I, I get, I get. You know, obviously we get a fee for booking you that gig, and obviously we get that fee because we put that work in to get you that gig. And then what you also don't see is all the process behind the cancellations and mm. all that, and that's why, like agents like ourselves, do charge a fee for that. But if you wanted to go and book that gig yourself, you're more than welcome to. Like, you can easily turn up to a venue and go in there, but the fact is you haven't. Mm. You've, like, you've asked us to book mm. that gig for you. And then, yeah. So, you know, if yeah. you want to undercut us, that's absolutely fine, but we, we won't work with you anymore. No, that makes sense. I, th I think it is a difficult thing, because, mm. like, for example, I'd had a gig with The Minstrel mm. before, before you guys booked yeah. me there. But because you'd booked me there afterwards, I, I just paid the money because mm. you'd booked that gig. I hadn't booked the next gig. Yeah. I think so that's a little bit different. It is a, like, di a bit different, you know. But there's obviously a conversation that's got to be had about that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But I think if, if, someone, if, if it's a venue that we book for and we've put you in there first or something like that, then, you know, it's, it's a common decency to not go and try and get in there yourself. And, yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Just before we move on, so um, who, who do you think um, would mainly benefit from agencies? So, for, for example, for, for me sometimes, who, who I've been approached by some agents and like they'd offer me a gig like just down the road from my house and it'd be like way less than what I would get if I just went there myself. Mm. So who is it that, that um, you're, you're targeting or, or, that, or, that, or the types of people that would go into agencies, who, who, who would they be, if that makes sense? Because I, sometimes I have a little bit of scepticism about it and I try and get my head around why people would not just go out themselves and get gigs. So is it a lot harder than that for some people? Or is it, what do you think? Why don't they go out themselves? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Um... I think, I think I, I've come, come across some people and they say, oh, I just can't be bothered to get my own gigs. And I find that like, kind of strange sometimes. I'm like, eh, fair enough. Like, but yeah. I think my, my take on this, Georgia, is just that generally with, with you guys, you do get me a lot of dates, don't get me wrong. But it's mainly at the moment is filling gaps in the diary. Mm. So I think that's, that's one angle you can look at it from. But yeah, 
let you um, answer the question now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I guess, for me, at this stage, if I was going to an agent, I would be doing it because I'd want to get in different places that I'm already in yeah. and see what another agent could offer me, if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe somewhere you've, you don't regularly gig yeah. or... Yeah. or like a different area. Um, but I guess, yeah, like people, maybe they don't have time to go out and get their own gigs, but if it's your job, then mm. yeah. that's part of it and that's what you should be doing, but... I guess again, it. Some people just haven't got the ability to walk in somewhere and, you know, get a gig at a venue. Yeah, it is tricky. Like I, I've tried it myself, yeah. and that's why me and my mum have done it together because I've I went in a few venues when I first started. I actually went round Chorley, and I must have gone in three. And I tried getting a gig there on my own, and I didn't get it. And my mum was like, once you've been in one, she said it's really hard to go in again and try and get a gig because yeah. you've already been in and you've set that and she was like, I'll be able to do it. And she was. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I suppose <laughs> if you went in again, you'd feel like you're nagging him. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I, I try and message a venue once mm. and I won't message mm. him again for another couple of months. Yeah. And then I'll just send a message. Hi, sorry, I'm just rebooking the next load of dates. Have you checked the dates? These are the ones I've got left. Yeah. Generally, the second time I do get it. Mm. But if you don't leave that gap, you can seem a bit needy and desperate, and yeah. then that puts the red that sends a red flag to the venue. So I do get what your mum's <laughs> saying there. Please, please, I, please do, I, do, I do know people that do like message venues every day because I've heard I've heard back from a venue saying, "Oh my god, this person keeps messaging me every yeah, day, and yeah. it's it's really annoying." Mm, so. Mm. You know, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just the, the the biggest hope you can get from somebody who's starting out is like just d going down well in a venue often leads to repeat bookings, yeah. people yeah, seeing you for parties and whatever else, and that's mm. kind of how you get the ball rolling. So you've, it, like you were saying before about singing to four or five people. Like you have got to, I know it's really cliche and everybody says it, but you have really got to pretend that it's bouncing mm. on you because people are watching you even when you don't think they yeah, are. Absolutely. You know? it's, a, it's one of them. So you've created this agency. How did then, did the open mics then come after that? I can't remember. So you obviously it, building networks at this time as well. Yeah, I so. think about the same time that we were, I were doing the open mics. I think we actually had people coming to the open mics and my mum was obviously coming down and we were being like, oh, you know, they're actually really good people. Yeah. We could definitely book gigs for that. And I had a, I had a month period where I was having my open mic night at the Crown and I were advertising it as, um, you know, like we wanted to see artists for booking and it was like really busy right, for about yeah. four months, but we must have run out of them all. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. That works well for everybody then, doesn't it? The yeah. Fact, yeah. The, you know, it's, a, it's, it's kind of, seems like it's all kind of, all run smoothly or merged together sort yeah. of thing, really. Yeah, because so. open mics, you can just go mm. to some and then nothing comes of it. Because I've sometimes gone to open mics to try out new areas or like now generally trying to... I've never had a gig from an open mic. I think, well... I, I've I've had a few from yours to be fair. Oh, from mine. <laughs> I think I've had possibly two, 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 like really two venues where I've ended up getting a gig after the open mic. Yeah. But that was it. 
Um, I mean, it's so hard because well, you've just played in my venue for free. Why would you? Why would I pay you now? Yeah, it's. I do. I 100% get why they wouldn't in a way in my head though I, it, it would make sense if someone goes oh he's really good I'll yeah. book him but maybe it doesn't work I I've not been to many to be fair I've been meaning to go to Chris Higley's for a while to be honest uh, yeah. but, at the uh, dog house yeah I've not been yet but, uh. it's it's um, it is one of them where I think I think you've just kind of got to use open mics really to try out new songs for me now because uh, there's most places probably won't you won't end up with a booking yeah. I think that's one thing you have to accept but if it's to try out new songs to see if they're going to work in front of a live audience or to just get yourself started it makes sense to do it yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, so during that time then it seems to me like everything's sort of running pretty smoothly it's all kind of falling together yeah obviously lockdown as well we've only got a couple of minutes before we have to break but was lockdown um, like obviously you're planning this agency I'm imagining that some money has to go into that agency then before you go you then start back up after lockdown. So was it a bit, were you a bit scared about coming back to gigs and what, what the scene would be like and that kind of, I was a little bit apprehensive about it. I got a few care rooms and whatever else, but nobody really knew, did they, what was going to happen after lockdown and what were your thoughts going into, into... I was pretty excited to yeah, be honest. I was yeah. like, I was like raring to go. Yeah. Like I, when I first started, I were only just at the beginning of my like music yeah. journey. So, you know, I were ready. I'd, to be fair though, I'd not, the whole time I was in lockdown, I didn't sing at all. So when I did go back, I was struggling. Yeah. Like it were horrendous. Lost my voice. Yeah, I, I like, did as well. Singing yeah. like that. Yeah. I was like, what's happening? It's weird that, isn't it? I had the exact same experience when I came back. You just it like- It lasted forever. Yeah. I thought there was something wrong with me. Yeah. I was like, there's, there's something wrong with my throat. It was horrendous. But yeah. I, I think me and you spoke because I went to your open mic at the Pleasant Retreat. Oh, yes. um, And, um, I said, what have you found it after lockdown? Because I seem to be busier Did than it? ever. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I, th I've I think really you busy. said, I think you said the same thing. It was really weird. It was almost like people who couldn't get gigs before. It was a perfect time mm. to come mm. back because loads of gigs were getting cancelled due to COVID, and you just put in for one. Yeah. Yeah. If you were quick on that message button yeah you were getting the gig yeah, straight away because people were just desperate to get something on it was all garden parties from what i remember <laughs> yeah a lot of garden lot. parties yeah 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 well, that's cool right we'll, we'll call it um, a break there and now we're going to go into um the second part in more of your your songwriting and where you've moved on from there so okay. uh, yeah good stuff we'll see you shortly hello it's lee from the one more Songcast. I do apologise about interrupting your episode, but this is a public service announcement. Now, we need people to like, share, subscribe and follow us across social media, YouTube and the podcast platforms. It would really help us to reach more people, reach musicians like ourselves and reach just people who like listening to podcasts. So, across TikTok, Instagram and Facebook, you can find us at TomsCast1. Or just simply the One More Songcast on YouTube or your favourite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts. So, don't forget to download, rate and review on your podcast platform. Get in our comments, like, share, subscribe on YouTube. And also, just follow everything we generally do across social media. Cheers, I'll let you get back to your episode now. Right, welcome back to the One More Songcast. We're into part three of the episode now, and we are mainly going into the songwriting side of George's music career. 
and um, talking about maybe a little bit about the fashion side of things as well and the struggles um, and the different life you have as an original musician compared to covers and whatever else. So we'll start off, Georgia, on your promo video. You can tell I've watched the full video. You said you don't want to be singing um, the likes of Eurasia all of your life. You want to be singing <laughs> your own songs at your own gigs, um, which I can totally understand. Um, no, I'm not, not going to start on a negative. What I'm going to say is if, if, that, if, if you do have to, um, if you, you don't make it in originals, would you be happy singing Eurasia for the rest of your life? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, obviously, my gigging, what I do now, that's my job and that pays for me to be able to be creative and go and make my own music in the studio. So, obviously, for that, I'm, like, forever grateful for mm. everything that I've got so far. Um, so no, I'd be absolutely happy doing that for the rest of my life. But obviously, in an ideal world, I want to be going out singing my own absolutely. my own music because it's what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about gigging, but obviously, my own songs. It'd be amazing to be at like Glastonbury. I think I spoke about this with you, yeah, did yeah. I? And like I've been everyone singing my own songs back at me. But if that isn't the case, then you know that's fine. No, yeah. I think I had to get to the similar space um, because before this, for years, I'd just been playing my original songs in, um, well, in bands. Yeah. And we'd chuck in the odd cover just for, just for our own fun or when we didn't have enough original songs in the set. And I think there's only, it's only happened on a couple of occasions where I've heard a crowd singing back my lyrics to me and that'll feel better than any cover you ever do. Yeah. What actually inspired you to write your first song? Um, I was going, <laughs> I was going through something at the time, um, in a relationship with someone actually. Um, and I was just like, I've got to write about this. And I just started writing. Um, and then obviously like that was my first song. I didn't actually think anything of it. I didn't think, oh, this is a great song, but I went and showed it to someone. I actually performed it at an open mic night and someone was crying. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's all right then, isn't it? <laughs> and then I've just, from there, I've kept writing. I think like for me, it's sort of like a release. Like say if something's bothering me, I will feel like compelled to write about it. Yeah. Um, but now I'm in I'm in a sort of situation where I want to keep pushing music out because I want to keep growing my following and I want to keep having I want to grow my profile as an artist basically, and I'm in a situation now where I feel like I'm I'm like oh, I need I need to write because I need to make music and you know I need something to put out there, um, so yeah. Can we just stop the episode very momentarily and just carry it on? I can see that mic going lower and lower and lower. <laughs> We'll have a very quick break. Right. Good. Yeah, we're back. Right. Okay. So, so Georgia, how did so? Sorry, you said your first song was about um, heartbreak. You said you, you wrote um, music when you were about twelve, didn't you? Or was it? Or, well, you said one of your first songs you ever did in a set was like an original. Oh no, that was at Chorley Live, weren't it? Mm. So it was like eighteen, nineteen, sort of thing. So right in the peak of like teenage heartbreak and that kind of thing so yeah i think i'm about 18 when i wrote my first song maybe 17 yeah okay so did you actually 
when you were obviously planning that set for Chorley Live, what were your apprehensions about putting it in, or did you? Was it just that fa- same fearlessness? Um, obviously, I'd, I'd never, I'd only ever sang my own song at an open mic, but I think because of the reaction I'd already had to my own song, I sort of had that reassurance that it was going to be all right and it was going to be well received. Yeah. If you know what I mean, so. I mean, yeah, I think performing your own song. I always find when you go out, I don't like singing my own music when I go out and I'm in a pub or in a bar because I just think it, they, wanna, they want stuff they can sing along to. That's a tricky If bit, it's man. not upbeat, they can't dance to it. So then for those three or four minutes that like you're singing your song, they just disengage. Mm. And it's quite understandable because I've been there myself. I've been and watched someone. Yeah. They've sang the original song and I've sort of like disengaged because I don't know it. I can't sing along yeah. to it. That is the tricky that, part, isn't it? It's definitely <clears> tricky. <throat> I think I have chucked a couple in every now and then. Mm. And it's, it's just the case of reading the crowd. If you can see that they're actively listening... Mm-hmm. And then you say, oh, I'm, do you know what? I'm going to do one of my own original ones. Is that all right with everyone? Like, you see their ears perk up and go, oh, yeah, go on then. Just, well, I they do almost al- want to find out what you're about. I do also think if you've got everyone up dancing, I get a bit mm. worried. Like, everyone's up dancing, and I've got, like, some quite upbeat songs. Mm. Um, and then I'll be like, right, I'm going to do one of my own. And I'm like, oh, my God, what if they all walk off and leave? <laughs> yeah, is that the, they don't yeah. know it. Yeah, like I've I've had people I've had dance you know tunes that I think everyone knows which I know they do like castles in the sky, I was performing at a pub once and she went she stood there and she went I don't know this and I was like you don't know castles in the sky yeah. and she walked off because she didn't know the song yeah that all happens all the time doesn't <laughs> yeah. it and that's that's we'll get onto this but that's why the the cover scene you're very much in a box aren't you of yeah, these are the songs that I can sort of I can maybe go outside that a little bit but anything that is remotely outside the box it's like you, you get pushed back on it don't you all yeah. the time so it is tough for an original song as well so how do you find it then so you've sort of been writing since you were 19 um, obviously you don't particularly you say you play guitar a little bit but you, you maybe don't mess with instruments as much so is it all lyric based is that how it all comes to you like when you write a song so obviously when i first started writing my own songs i was using the guitar to sort of like create a song um, and then i found a software called BandLab, which is fantastic and it's like um They've got like loads of little beat loops. It's sort of like a mini like logic, and right, they, yeah. but they've got like loads of song samples. So what I was doing was I was just like picking a song sample and putting it on for three minutes, and then just writing something to that, um, and like using that to give me inspiration. Um, and then I've sort of moved on from that, and I've been, you know, just writing. Another thing that I do do is, um, you know, like a popular song. I will use a popular song but find like a karaoke version of it that's done with a piano. Okay. And then I will use that and I will write a song but make it completely different to the original. I've made quite a few songs from that as well. Right. That's, that's a little tip for you. Yeah. It's a unique way of um, probably writing songs. I don't think I've heard that one before, so it's, it's cool. I suppose it's no different really to like using a sample no. in a yeah. song. of uh, like So obviously we, know, we do Bittersweet Symphony that... That strings part came from a Rolling yeah. Stones song. Yeah. I really struggle with structuring. I don't know why, but I struggle with structuring a song. So if I was to make a song from samples, I'd struggle 
making the structure of that song so having that structure in place is really something that's really useful for me and that's probably one of the reasons why that's what I do yeah so obviously how does that transcend into the studio because you work with Nick at 3507 is yeah it? that's right yep so first of all how long have you been working with him and also how do you find that transition where obviously you're writing songs in a certain way but then you're taking this into the studio to mm. actually freshly write it and then record it so I actually met Nick the first time because I was recording some vocals on a track called Is This Love which isn't out yet. I don't know when it will be out because we've got to re-record the music video but I did it with um, a lad called AKP and T-Pop so that's how I originally met Nick and I thought I just felt really comfortable in Nick's space so then we did, I started working with him. Um, but Nick's great, like I just go in with an idea, it could be like nothing, I could just have like a little verse or, um, he's just great, he just... He's and he so helps to expand just from that verse to a whole yeah, song. Yeah, absolutely. Has there ever been times where you maybe, when you first started doing it, where you go going over <clears> an idea and his interpretation would be different to what you, and you kind of, you're struggling to get your interpretation of it, if that makes sense? There's only been one, there's only been one time that that's ever happened and Nick's like you know if if you don't like the sound of something he's he works with you yeah. he doesn't work against you and I think that's what a producer should do definitely and yeah. I think if you go to a producer with an idea and they rubbish it then you know it's not really great for the artist that you're working with no I agree yeah I think yeah I've only done one studio recording myself um and it was weird because these guys have had loads loads of their artists recently <clears throat> had stuff on radio. Yeah. So I tended to write quite long verses. Then I'd do a pre-chorus into a chorus. Then I'd do another same length verse and it was, everything was the same length. And I, I went in this time with an, just an acoustic track and an idea of how I wanted it to sound. So I had like these country lead guitar licks and everything. And as soon as I'd come up with an idea, they'd be like, no, that's not it. And it was like, well, and oh yeah, we're just going to need to chop a bit out of that. Mm. Now, at first, you're a bit apprehensive mm. about that because you've been working on that song for a year. They've yeah. heard it once and automatically gone, yeah, that needs to go. Well, don't get me wrong, like that happens yeah. when I work really. I mean, it's not like abrupt and he's like, oh, that doesn't work. It's sort of like an agreement that we come to together. Mm. Obviously, like it's my music at the end of the day, so you know, it's got to sit well with me. Yeah. But I, I, I've worked with other producers as well. So I've worked with a lad called Sam Cleary and that were just completely different. I went in and we didn't have any idea of what we were going to do. It were just sort of like working on a collaboration basis. And we just went in and he was like, what key do you sing in? I was like, I don't know, <laughs> any. And then we just went from there and we made this like really cool track. Um, so yeah, I think it depends on the person that you're working with and sort of like how they want to work. Yeah. I've been, <clears throat> obviously we had this chat. How is one thing you, well, you've said about your songwriting changing. How have you found the process of releasing music? Cause we've had a chat before off air. It's, it's one of the hardest things in the world to get your music in front of people and get them into it. How have you found the transition from being, getting something you're really proud of to releasing it and the post-release, how have you found that? Draining. Absolutely draining. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, I absolutely love it. So, obviously, 
everyone in music has got their opinions and I think if you're gonna go and do this and go and release your own music you've got to be open to having people throw opinions at you I've had people say you're not good enough and I've had to like take that and just like be like okay like you've got to choose which opinions you're gonna take on as like constructive criticism and which ones you're just gonna go no I'm not listening to that because it doesn't benefit me and it's not so is this is this social media or is this like radio play um what is it is it from all aspects if that um, if you're, do you, I'm guessing you put, because I've not really been in that world yet, mm. do you put your songs forward to, say, radios and, and um, websites and that kind of thing, and, and you get pushback from that sometimes as well? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning when I was releasing my tracks, I were emailing loads of record labels and everything, and I was finding that they never get back to you, which is fine because they've probably got loads of people messaging them and I've sort of decided now that I kind of want to do it a bit more independently so I've got quite a bit of a following on TikTok now and they're all like really quite supportive of me and what I do because I've been going on TikTok live so them guys you know they're like really supportive of my music and I've built like this little community um and I've lost what I was saying (laughs) We'll take a quick break there because I can see the camera flashing. Um, so we'll replace the battery and then we'll move okay. into that social media side of it. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, our first five party. Oh, yeah, literally. <laughs> okay. So, Georgia, um, we've spoke about how you are um, at the minute, well, you've been writing your songs and you've been going into the studio and putting, putting stuff together. Um, so what's then that experience from like we say, going from writing the music to then putting it out to, to, to people. I noticed for your, your song, was it Stronger? Yeah. That you'd had like, um, like a full event for it at the Talbot. Um, so, and I've not really seen much like that before. So can you talk us through like how that went about? Obviously you've got the agency to work with and your mum to work with. Um, it looked like quite a good event you were there as well, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, support um, So how did that go down then? So it was for the release of your... It, was it, it's not your first single, is it? What, your second officially sort of like on Spotify and that kind of thing? No, but I felt like I was sort of starting a new journey with my music because I'd started working with Nick. Because I'd worked with a couple of producers before that. Um, so obviously, I don't know. I think like when you release music, you get a bit... You get a bit down about it because when you release it, it's like, oh... You know, like you've put all this work into marketing this song, and you've you've been all over socials, and then it comes to release day, and you've had like ten streams, and it's like, ah. And yeah. then I was like, well, I, I'm I'm gonna start making a really big thing of this, and I'm just gonna really go for it. And if no one's listening, well, there is people listening, but you know, I'm not obviously getting like tens of thousands of streams. Yeah. Like that's all right. I, I think with music, it's a work in progress, mm. but I think you've just got to keep going. So. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to do, like, a big release party. Um, I just started having my own merch and stuff, so I had, like, a little merch store. Obviously, I'd defined by performing <laughs> for me as well as my warm-up hats, which was fantastic. What yeah. was the expectation, like, versus the actual reality? Because, obviously, you were quite new to that whole uh, release sort of process. Yeah. Um, were you expecting to release the song and, and it and it thing, or were you... Or were you were you surprised when it didn't maybe get as many listens as it as it 
as you wanted it to? What was your what was your expectation versus the reality of, of what it what happened or or what happens generally? It's not just you, is it? It's the oversaturated market of original music, you know. Um, well, I'm always like, oh, this is going to be a big one. Yeah. Release day, there's going to be streams flowing in. Do you know what I mean? And it just it's just never like that. No. And I think on that day of the release party, I was thinking there's going to be no one here. I'm absolutely dreading it. And it's like a really daunting feeling because yeah. you don't want to feel like, what's the point? Do you know what I mean? You want to feel like it's, you know, you want to feel like people yeah. are listening. You want you want people to listen to your music, but getting people to listen to your music is really hard. Yeah. And there's loads, of, there's no, I mean, there is handbooks and guidebooks saying this is how to do the music industry, but I think everyone's experience of the music industry is very different. Yeah. So, you know, and I think it, a lot of it's ego-driven. So you get people that are like, you know, that have been doing it years and they're like, this is what you need to do and this. But I think every, everyone's journey to that spot's different. Yeah. And I, it's, go on. I, I completely agree <clears throat> with you. Um, because I, when I first started recording and writing my own music, again, after a long time, and went into the actual releasing process, I recorded with a mate in Warrington who had had 40,000 plays on his on his um, original song with his yeah, old that's band. Good. Now he'd actually started to make a few quid off that. Not not a great deal, probably about 30 or 40 quid, but compared to what I've ever made oh. off original music, that seems brilliant, to be honest. Um, get some fuel with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I can get half a tank of fuel. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Um, but... You s I saw a flood of bands coming out of Warrington who were getting like 2,000 plays in the first day and all this sort of thing. I'm thinking, oh, this is what it's going to be like for me. First day, 50 plays. And like, mm -hmm. you know for a fact, you've not even, the bank hasn't even opened for you. I think that's, that's one of the hard things about social media as well because, you know, I see people posting all the time like, oh, thank you so much, I got 10,000 streams. It's amazing, it's an independent release. And I'm like, why is that not happening for me? Yeah. That's the question I was asking. What what are they doing? What are you doing that I'm not doing? <laughs> yeah. And then then it's like I feel like we're constantly in this cycle of comparing ourselves to other people, and that's what I do. I'm constantly looking because of social media. I'm looking at what this person's doing. Why why am I not in that place that they're singing? Why mm. why have I not? Why am I not selling these tickets? Why have I not got the same streams that they have? I'm only doing what they're doing. Yeah. What's so different about them that? you know, they, they don't want me. Yeah, that sort of leads me on to um, the next section or next question really, is that um, with you being quite a bit younger than us, um, you've obviously been dropped into that social media world with <coughs> without, we, we sort of, uh, we. I remember before social media and maybe you don't so much, do you think, a lot of people say of the advantages of social media with promoting their music, obviously, it's so much more accessible than ever before. You're able to promote it as much as you want, basically. But it's also that oversaturation as well. I noticed with, with, with you on social media, you, you're very, very active. You're always trying new things to um, promote your music. Um, I always see things pop up on TikTok and lives, like you say. Um, what is it like? Because I'm, I'm not really a big social media person. Um, I, I feel like I have to do it, and it's kind of like I do the bare minimum. Um, but somebody who you really do throw yourself into that social media world to promote your music. 
Um, do you find it tough? Do you enjoy the social media side of things? Do you enjoy creating new, like, funny videos? Like, you've got the one where you're walking down Chorley High Street. That's quite funny. Um, Every week, then. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you enjoy looking for new ways to promote your music um, or not so much? Yeah, I enjoy, like, the making of all, like, social media and stuff. But there's obviously, when it's out there, you feel like I'm constantly checking... How many views has this got? Yeah. Like, and that's the not so nice side of it. I enjoy making it, and you know, obviously, it's it's. I'm, I make stuff for my social media every day without fail, so it's like it's become part of my daily life routine to do something on social media. But then it's also quite tricky because you don't want to be like pestering. Yeah. And that's that's like the really hard bit, and like then people are like, oh well, you've got this free service that you can just promote your music on, and you need to be posting three videos a day to be successful and all yeah. this. And I'm like, well, it's not really realistic, is that's it? Tough, yeah. But uh, I heard someone saying the other day, they was like, you spend so much time, you know, like working on your music and working on everything else behind the scenes, then you should be spending the same amount of time working on your social media. Yeah. At the end of the day, like. That's what people see. That's that's the way the world is now, and that's the first thing that they go to. They will go to your social media. Yeah. If that's not perfect and they don't get a good vibe from it, then they're like, all right, then maybe not. Yeah, definitely. I suppose, like you say, you, you you you're pushing that social media side. And it's got so many benefits, but also the bigger social media presence you become. So, like you 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 say you do quite well on TikTok. Does, does that come with negativity as well with people oh, in comments? Absolutely. And how do you react to that and respond to that? Um, so I started going on TikTok Live. TikTok Live is what's grown my following right. on TikTok. What's, is um, that just doing stuff at gigs or, or stuff just, around and about? Or? I just set my camera up at gigs and obviously people come in my TikTok Live and they watch and I get followers from there. Sometimes I can get about 20 a night on TikTok or other times. When I was doing entry, I was getting like 800 followers every day. Right, okay. That was on TikTok Live. Um, but it just depends what, obviously... TikTok is notorious for trolls and like people coming on and saying I I went out in summer once I had a pair of white skinny jeans on and a belly top and I had about 3,000 people in my room which is a bit strange because I usually have about 100 to 200 you mean is it room like on TikTok yeah like on TikTok sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit bit hard to fit 3,000 people in a bedroom mate (laughs) (laughs) I was at a gig but (laughs) but um, they were like oh they were saying, oh, she looks pregnant. Right. How many McDonald's has she had? Right. So for me, as a girl, I'm quite... I think a lot of women are very conscious of the way yeah, anyways. Yeah. I mean, I'd never had someone point out my weight. It's not something like I go to gym or work really hard. It weren't something that I were really bothered about. But you just open yourself to that sort of world where people are behind a computer screen or behind the phone and they've got they've got the balls to say that because they're not in your face like I get I'll get someone coming and they'll just put awful or like she can't sing or someone will put um don't quit your day job yeah I'm like and that, does that stick with you or are you I mean I suppose you you've got the you seem like you've got the good support network but at the same time you're not a celebrity that can um you know bounce off off people to help with that side of thing you just kind of have to crack on with it don't you so how do you yeah. deal with that so at the beginning when i first obviously was going on tiktok live 
I wouldn't say massively bothered me. I think if you're willing to put yourself out there like that, you should be willing to take people's criticism. People have opinions, and if they can give it to you, they're going to. And obviously on TikTok Live, that's what they can do. Yeah. And I see it all the time. Like, people feed off it they feed off hating on other people i don't whether it's jealousy or you know maybe they just don't like him and i was just like i was trying to convince myself i was like these people are just they're either jealous or they're just not very nice people so i sort of had that mindset in my head but then since i've been doing tiktok and i've sort of got this community of people that i i, I speak to my followers they message me they yeah. like ask me when i'm coming back off holiday and i've sort of got this like little support network so every time i go on live they're there yeah and they come on and if there's any haters they start giving them shit and i'm right. like yeah thank you <laughs> you know what i mean nice no, yeah. my way of dealing with it's probably <laughs> different to most so like at first when i'd hear see when i first put up stuff a few years ago was yeah. probably a bit in a place where it was a bit more sensitive I think since I hit 30 I've just gone past that point of giving a fuck to be honest yeah. so like now I'm like the way social media works if you get comments it boosts your engagement so mm. yeah, I just I thank that. I thank them for the engagement um, tell them they're entitled to their opinion but the odd one does piss you off yeah. so I actually just give it back now yeah. And I think I've I've had far more likes from stuff like that than I have on any of my posts. Um but it's one of them like like you say, they wouldn't have the balls to say it to your face, but keyboard warriors are like, like the shit out is really I know. the best possible way of saying it. I think that that's also well, a lot of social media, that's what it is. It's just people putting their opinions out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Do, do have you found that so say you've got um, quite a bit of a following on in, um, on TikTok and, and like you say, you've got a bit of a community. Does that then translate into your listens? Uh, yeah, it has done. So, I mean, they've not like skyrocketed or anything, but when I'm on my TikTok live, they're like, please will you sing my song? And I'm like, oh my God, they well, want me to sing then, yeah. my own song. Yeah. But then, you know, they're always they're, like, they're interacting with me because I've sort of like built a relationship with them where... You know, it's a bit more personal when I speak to him and, you know, the commenting on my stuff and, you know, we're having those, like, conversations with followers. And, yeah, I mean, my listens have gone up. I've got, like, people supporting me and sharing my stuff more. And I think from there, obviously, I'm hoping that it's going to grow. And, yeah. You know, I can do a bit more with my own music. And just to say, to, before you can do a TikTok Live, you have to have a 1,000 followers. All right. So... George was obviously constantly on there and it's like slowly you just saw all of a sudden I think there was one there was one of your videos and I noticed like before that you had like maybe 150 200 yeah. the next thing I saw she had like 600 followers right, okay. so it's obviously the stuff though. was connecting yeah. it yeah. was like it's just weird when you suddenly think but you can have all those followers and then you'll get hardly any views on your videos oh. yeah it's really well, strange. Well, we have experienced this with, with, with the podcast as well, because obviously you start the podcast and it's a similar thing. You're like, oh, you know, people, and, and, and it, it does at the start. But, we, you know, we're, we've had our struggles. We're not, we're not massive by any means. You know, we're trying to slowly grow over time. Mm. So I do understand it. I think the thing with, with me going into original music is like, I want to write music for myself, but I just can't be bothered with all that. Mm. But you have to be. So it's a, it's a, yeah, I, have to, I have to ask myself, well, why do I want to write original music? Because... I can't be bothered with all the social media stuff. I'm not obviously expecting to make it or anything like that. So have you ever thought to yourself, 
maybe I'd just write music for myself or is it or is it because you want to and 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 also what is making it for you because making it can be different for everybody you know well I think for me obviously I love making music but I think the enjoyment comes from people listening Mm. to it and relating to it and sharing that same experience that I've had when I wrote it if you get what I mean um but I had someone say something the other day someone somewhere was having a bitch about me and said oh George will never make it and I was like well actually I I already have because you know you don't need to be playing massive festivals and headlining big shows and you know going singing at a stadium and having all the people singing your songs back at you you don't need a thousand 100,000 followers on social media or be signed to a record label like every every time you go out you're making small connections with people and you yeah you might get a few followers here and there and you know the you're just slowly building your circle and if you love what you're doing then you've already made it yeah like I, I I go out every weekend and you know I'm speaking to people I'm creating relationships forming relationships you know and i think that's really important that i've already made it yeah yeah no, i agree I think <laughs> we all I mean? have with some degree i think um, <clears throat> if you're doing something on your own terms which we are at the minute and most musicians sort of are really then that's better than than having to turn up to your zero hour contract job in it you yeah know, i think you uh, set the bar for yourself yeah yeah i think yeah, yeah like you said i think <clears throat> lee, lee jones said the other week about making it and if you, if you look at what you actually intended to do, you're playing music to a bunch of people every week. You've got to find a place where you're happy with whatever level you get. So if I've had a crack at this and it doesn't work out, would I be happy? You meant you alluded to it earlier. I think I've given this a go. Whatever happens now, mm. I've started the process. I've got it to a level where it's sustainable. What what more can you want? Yeah. And people are actually singing along to what you're playing, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't mm. matter to me what I do now. But don't don't want to put too too much doom and gloom on this, but I know it's on your on your promo video that you said um, that you're never you're happy but you're never content. Yeah. So you're always like and, and I'm the same. The goalposts always move, don't they? So originally it might have been oh if I can go out and sing in front of people that'd be it for me, but it never is, is it? Yeah. It always changes. Um, so where where do you see where do you want to get to next? Is basically what what I'm asking. So something that I'm starting doing at the moment is um, I, I've said I want to be out singing my own songs. I want my own show. I want, you know, like being in a music venue and just having my songs and having an audience that are just there to see me sing my songs. Um, so at the minute I'm looking for a DJ and some backing singers that can help me take my show to the next level. Um, Obviously, I'd love to be playing on some big stage. That'd be like, that'd be the dream. And I think that's the dream for most people that are doing what yeah. I'm doing and what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I think that's the next steps. I've, obviously, I do, I'm a DJ as well. I've got my first event happening on Friday, the 22nd of September. Um, and it's an all female DJ lineup. I always feel like in music there's not a lot of opportunity for women, especially in sort of like the festival circuit, you know, like Park Life or Creamfields. Mm-hmm. Like majority lineup, it's all men. 
it's all male orientated no offense <laughs> i'm not i'm not like saying men are great at what they do but there's never have you seen a full lineup of women no 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 you're right and i just thought like i know women do these jobs i know women produce but i've never i think i've got one female producer on my instagram and the rest are all male right. and i was like you know, I know these women do these jobs, like, where, where can I find them? Mm. And so that's that's sort of, like, what I'm doing at the moment. So my new event's called She Bangs the Beats, and that's happening in Preston. So I've got an all-female DJ lineup, but uh, just bringing women together. Okay. Where's that being held, then? Uh, it's at a club called In Libra. Right, okay. Which is, uh, it's a bit like... Stepping into Berlin. Is that Preston? <laughs> yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah. Have, have you have you had uh, the good res- a good response for that? Then have you got the uh, for the sorted? event? Yeah, 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 I've got the lineup sorted, which was quite hard. Funnily enough, I've got a friend in Ibiza that does events. Um, he's been doing it for I don't know, maybe all his life. Um, and I just mess. I rang him up and I said, "Look, I've I've got this event happening. Do you know any female DJs?" And he went, um, "No." I, I couldn't name you one right. it was like I don't know any female DJs and yeah. I was like that was just the cherry on top for me I was like I've got to do this yeah, I've yeah. got to find these women Yeah, fair enough. I've got to provide more opportunity for them because <laughs> clearly there's none yeah. I mean there will obviously yeah, every area is. will have them but yeah like you say <clears> like <throat> you probably notice some on posters but most of the time I think you'd also just assume mm. I feel like the music industry is very male orientated like when I first went out obviously I wanted to find a producer to make music I've never worked with a female producer yeah. I was ringing around studios every person that answered was a man but I also think that if a woman had have answered at that stage in my mind would I have been like this is a bit weird right, yeah. if uh, if I go and work with a female producer because it's something that I'm not used to. I don't, like, I'd be like, would she be any good? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And if it was a man, I probably wouldn't think like that, no. which is really strange. We had um, we had um, a girl called Shelley Le Fay from Manchester on who suggested that, um, <clears throat> like, local pubs and stuff need to basically put on more original music nights. So yeah. instead of it being, like, covers every weekend... Um, I mean, she suggested to have mainly originals and then covers, but mm. but even if you had like one month a night of original music, do you not think that's something that you could maybe do with a collective as well? So bring original artists together and have nights where they can potentially get paid and advertise it as original music nights. Have you have you tried that? Has, has there been any pushback of that from pubs and whatever else? No, we've not, because all we've ever just worked with is covers. Mm. But I also think that the venues, they're probably going to think that there isn't a lot of money in someone coming seeing, do you know what I mean? A, yeah. a covers, but I, a, an original music night. But yeah, I mean, that'd be absolutely great. That's something I think that... it would work, especially if it's like once a month somewhere and people know where to find it. Yeah. So maybe, maybe we need to get working on the showcases again. Yeah. And, you, you know, yeah, you, you build that sort of... Um, you build that, uh, what, what am I thinking, the, the anticipation of, well, this week it's the original music night. Um, I think it could work, you know, yes. but it just it needs somebody to do it. It's the marketing of it as yeah. well. Like, I mean, 
like we've said before, like you get shady promoters everywhere, you know, across city centres. Why couldn't it work in a local area? There's plenty of artists that would want to do their own stuff. Like you had Jacob Reddy on the collective books yeah. for a bit. I mean, I'm dying to have, find venues where I can go and perform my yeah. own stuff because I feel like there's few and far between. Mm. It's a ferret in it around here. And ferret it. is one. I mean, but I also feel like the ferrets and places like that, they're all very like indie bands. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of you'll find a lot mm. of music venues are, but the ferret do actually put DJ nights. They have different yeah, theme nights and, and stuff. Um, when I went to their last open <clears> mic, it, you know, he had KP on actually. Like, okay, he came okay. on for a song. And one of his mates was doing a set and he did a couple of songs with him. It was so varied. It's, mm. it's a bit wild there because it's kind of got that hippie punk mm. indie vibe that everyone, any, they'll take on anything. Yeah that has a bit of balls about it really, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. So you'll be surprised at what gets put on there and yeah. what you can actually get going there. Yeah. I don't need to take offense to this, but like some of your TikTok videos and your music videos, I've sometimes thought, um, would it be worth you moving to somewhere like a city? Have you thought about that before? Someone said this to me before and I was just like, well, if I've got, I've got why would I need to move anywhere when I've got the whole world in front of me on social media yeah like, yeah would the, would the venues that. open up there like in I don't know what I don't know what the scenes are like would they be more suitable because you're saying you're trying to find mm. venues have you thought about maybe um, trying venues in Manchester Liverpool London are they out there to be obtained is what I'm asking or is, it, is, is yeah, there a gap would, in the market I would definitely imagine they're out there yeah. but I, again same with um, original music it's getting in there mm. I mean <clears throat> there's so much you have to get um, so much you have to get so like you have to have an electronic press kit which is like a biography about yourself it has uh, all your yeah. links to your socials where you can find your music what your plans are for the next year some some promoters want that then it's finding the promoters that don't want you to sell 20 tickets before you've made a penny and then you're losing money by paying to get there it is it it's it's an absolute minefield but if you sometimes if you don't do those gigs and get lucky at just people and they'll just pick your name out of the hat yeah, yeah. to go and see then how do you get your music out there you sometimes just have to keep knocking on the door of the venues and doing stuff like that to <laughs> So Get I have there. actually, I've messaged a few sort of like booking agents that book for like live music venues. And again, I've not had, you know, I've not been like pestering them, but I've sent them a few messages and nothing's ever come of it. I've messaged quite a few actually, you know, sort of like in big cities like Liverpool, mm. Manchester, um, and no, nothing's ever come from it. I just think it's really difficult. It is. Especially making that transition from doing covers to because doing covers is my job mm. so then say if i was to give up a saturday night i'd be losing yeah. out on some of my wages yeah, to exactly. go and get paid nothing exactly, yeah and um <laughs> i imagine it's pretty costly the i'm guessing you pay for the studio time you pay for well, there's loads of stuff to pay for some of the promotion and whatever else so um that's burning a hole in your pocket as well yeah, isn't absolutely. it so it's a it all costs it's money. the risk re reward kind of thing right um we're gonna um, stop there for a second and then we're going to talk about um, the song that you want to promote the most we'll, we'll play it at the end of our episode and if it's a song I think it is and we'll talk a little bit about the music video and everything else so uh, yeah we'll see okay. you in a, in a second Hi there how you doing? It's me the legend that is 
I'd just like to take a little bit of time out of the episode to promote a certain music shop that I've had really good experience with. So it is Blackstone Music and it's located in Heskin Shopping Village. Chris Bannister there has been really helpful to me. I had trouble a couple of years ago um, buying from a sort of commercial superstore one of my acoustic guitars. Um, So I went to Chris and ended up getting a completely new guitar. Ever since he's helped me with, you know, fixing bits and bats on the guitar and he's just a really helpful, friendly guy. He's always got the time of day for you with music-related questions and stuff like that. So big shout-out to Blackstone Music. As I said, it's in Heskin Shopping Village. Go and have a look at it. It's got They've got some great stuff there and some great service. Back to the episode. Right, we're back for the fourth and final part of the episode. I think it might be fifth. It might be fifth, yeah. yeah. Have you enjoyed yourself so far? Yeah, I've loved it. It's been, right, been great. Yeah. No, it's been, been a good episode. So um, we'll talk about the song. Because obviously we play music at the end of our episode. Uh, we try to promote original music as much as we can. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about the song that you're going to promote at the end of this episode. Do you want to give us the title of it, a little bit about it? It's called Love You Goodbye. Okay. So I actually wrote it about... Sort of like being in a relationship, but your sort of like values don't add up. So say, like, my boyfriend doesn't really want kids. Uh, He wants kids and he wants marriage, and I want the opposite. Right, okay. And it was like, I love you, but our, like, journeys don't align, so goodbye. Right, okay, okay, yeah. (laughs) That's fair enough. And, Wait um, till he sees this. <laughs> he doesn't know it's about him. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Well, let, let you cross that bridge when you get home. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the domestic that we're going to hear yeah, about after this. Yeah, yeah, get that on TikTok. <laughs> no, so um, so you've done a music video for it. So you've gone. Uh, obviously, Stephanie Collette. We'll give her a shout out for these mugs as well. So this is Stephanie Collette's studio, and uh, she's done us some one more song cast mugs and, and done Georgia and one as well. So, uh, Massive shout out to Stephanie. She's always uh, really good to us. Um, so where was I going with this? She, so she went. So she came with you, and you filmed a video at Blackpool. Was it Blackpool Pier? Yeah. First we went to Livingston St Anne's, and then we filmed the rest on Blackpool Pier. And it's in a rather small bikini with some roller skates. And what what yeah. what, what was the idea behind that video? <laughs> I was like, I want to get my arse out. Right. No. no. <laughs> I thought, what can I do to get more views? <laughs> no, I just... We were, we had, like, a beach sort of scene. Okay, yeah. Um, and then Steph came up with a bright idea that she had roller skates. And I was like, I'm going to roller skate in my uh, little swimsuit. So that's what we did, and it made, like, pretty good filming. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, no, I've noticed whenever you... I used to do some cover videos, things prattling about with my little camera... Um, and people come up to him, oh, what you f- was it a bit like yeah. that? We're getting people. So I was, we were filming under the pier on Lytham St Anne's and two little girls were like, what are you doing? And I was like, um, I'm filming a music video. I was like, oh, are you a singer? I was like, yeah. Are oh, you on TikTok? I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> oh my God. And they ran over and got the phone. And I was right. like, I'm a celebrity. Yeah, cool, cool. We actually had Workman when we were doing mine because Luke filmed oh, mine. Yeah. Um, and there was a bit in there 
Curden Valley, and it was actually closed at this point of the yeah. year as well. And the workmen let us in, and they said, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, filming a music video." He's like, "Sam, you're going to have the music playing." He's like, "Yeah." So they stopped working for a bit to listen to the tune as well. That's it. <laughs> That's been one of the hardest tasks of my life. Obviously, oh. no experience of uh, a video, and particularly doing his bloody music video. Yeah. <laughs> I got that. I mean, it's a good song, but I got sick of it after constantly yeah. playing it and playing it. Yeah, it gets stuck editing. in your head, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so. Uh, so has the video done well has the has the song done well How's so it? the video's out on friday the song itself is probably the best release i've had so far okay. in terms of like streams and stuff um and obviously i think that's mainly come from my growing my tiktok following because they've they've loved it they were like oh it's too catchy it gets stuck in your head and yeah. stuff so that's ace and i think tiktok's ace for stuff like yeah, that yeah but yeah this is probably my best release is it because you've learned things along the way to help you get that as well or do you think you're just getting maybe better at songwriting as well or or better at social media or yeah all of it really i think i'm putting i've like I've got a clear direction of what I want to do and where I want to go so I'm definitely just putting everything I've got into what I'm doing at the minute and yeah cool well we'll play that song at the end of our episode so you can have a listen and you say the video's out on could you give us a date because we don't know when this is going to be released uh, 20, yeah, so. is it 28th of July on this Friday yeah yes, I believe be, yeah. that is so 28th of July you can go and check that out on uh, is it on YouTube channel it's on YouTube. yeah cool um, so moving forward then, um, what's in the works for you? What Glastonbury? Glastonbury, fair dues. <laughs> See you there then. Well, I'm high. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> well, I'll probably be on the same lineup. No. <laughs> what, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> what I'm basically asking is, are you are you going to start maybe dropping covers gigs? Are you going to start um, doing more original music venues? Um, what what's the yeah, plan? Yeah, I mean, really? my aim my aim is now to sort of get shows doing my own music that is my aim now um obviously i've done a bit of work with like some of the djs and stuff trying to get features on tracks and just sort of move forwards trying to grow my profile doing that and then also just building my you know sort of like my songs and everything that i've got to be able to go out and perform them live and just grow that hopefully you know drop some of the covers and be able to do that as yeah. something that's full-time. Maybe go on a little tour. Hey. What's your best and worst gig stories? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I've got a few good ones. Oh, my God. There is one. It's a little bit... It might be offensive. Is it all right? No, I'll put it in. It'll be fine. Offensive. <laughs> <laughs> some, some people might... My, I'm not bothered by it, but some people might be. I was doing a gig um, in Wally and I'd just packed up all my stuff and I'd bent down um, to pick my stuff up <laughs> to go out and some woman, well, I didn't know it was a woman, someone sort of like rubbed me from behind. And I, like, nice. I stood up and I turned around and it was some woman and she was like, oh my God, I'm sorry, I thought you was my best friend. And I was oh, like... Right. So then I had to like, I was like, I've got more than what I bargained for tonight. <laughs> I got my wages and I got, you know, I got, I got oh. a little tickle as well. How <laughs> um, did that end then? You're just like, no worries. Well, I just went over to mum and dad and I was like, she's got a little tickle. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like we were just like in hysterics wow. but I think like if it was the wrong person and I know that if it was somebody else then it might have been a well, imagine yeah. if that was a big burly bloke it would like be a bit it, of a different story wouldn't yeah, it yeah yeah 100% like if it was a I were I were ready to turn around and be like what but it was a yeah. woman and she yeah. was like deeply apologetic and I was like you do that to your best friend yeah it, whilst we're on that actually what's it what's it like being a woman but <laughs> like gigging and stuff um do, do you find it difficult as a woman do you get a lot of like weird people probably mainly men like um coming on to you at gigs I'm, I'm, I've got a friend called Laura Summers who, who spoke a little bit about that is it I know what the pub scene's like, you know, when I'm a lad and, you know, it's like, I feel like if you're a woman, it would be a bit more dif- difficult, really. I, um, everywhere I go, my family go with me. So a lot of the time I feel quite safe. Um, but I have had a few gigs where, you know, I've had, like, men being a bit strange. Mm. Um, I had some guy once, he sort of, like, was intensely staring at me. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but like I was on my own um, and he sort of like walked up. I was on like a little high surface and he sort of like walked up and like intensely stared at me like from here. <laughs> I've actually got a video of it from my, t- it was on TikTok live mm. and um, he was he just stayed there for ages and I felt a little bit uncomfortable and like people on my TikTok were like, are you okay? Right. Is this girl okay? Like, so I've had stuff like that happen to me. I've told you to stop doing <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> was it you? No. no, I was doing it another gig. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, um... I've definitely had some weird things happen to me at gigs. Uh, I had, I, sorry, I just, I was at um, the plough on Pall Mall. Oh, and, um, oh. Event- no, no, that's not the bad pub. That's not the worst pub on Pall Mall, is it? Yeah, I don't know. But, um, Palmer's not great generally, is it? No, <laughs> not great. But I, I have I have quite good nights in there yeah, because yeah. last time I was there, um, there were about 10 men all with the tops off, dancing right. naked in front of me. Like it just, one person took the top off and then they were all dancing around like raging lunatics with no tops on. And I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so, um, oh, that was a really good question I had. Sorry. Uh, well, well, no, it was, a, it was around sort of that. No, never mind. Um, so obviously you're getting into original music now. Um, you'll come across other artists. Obviously, we're, we're here mainly to, to promote you and support you. Is there anybody you've noticed along the way that's a, a struggling original artist like everybody is? Um, that you thought they're really good I'd like to maybe work with them or just promote them generally is there anyone you've spotted or it could be cover singer as well to be fair we do just have who would you recommend you know who would I recommend this is really bad but I don't know no fair enough (laughs) I mean defined by Lee (laughs) (laughs) when I think of like an original like when I did my release party and I was looking for someone Uh, that does original songs yeah the only person that really sprung to mind that I actually know is you. Mm, right. Like I, I, I don't know any. I don't. Yeah, I don't know anyone. The scene. I know Connor Banks writes his own music, doesn't he? Um, yeah, Connor Banks. I'm trying to think of others. Um, I mean, Jacob yeah. Reddy. I've seen his 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 music's very his music's very almost. It's almost like reminiscent of teenage years, Jacob, because he's very young, isn't he? But yeah. I think yeah. his. I saw him perform live, and I was actually really pleasantly surprised by him. The other week, yeah. but yeah. Anyone else you'd recommend at all? Just the cover singer, Chris Healy. He's good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think of someone that's not obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense. 
Perfect. No. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll give you that four, and then we'll give you one more. Is there anything that you would change about the music scene as it is right now? So we're thinking we're a local <clears throat> music podcast, so maybe how the cover scene operates, how it could be anything. It could be just what your general experience is with punters or... Um, bar owners would there be anything that you would change for me um, on, you know when we've spoke about it it's like you don't feel protected sometimes so when it is a rowdy night you feel like your speaker could get smashed and yeah, stuff but there isn't a lot you can do about that is there anything that springs to mind with you would 100% second that right okay yeah um, but I guess not feeling like it's such a competition mm. do you know what I mean between artists yeah do you feel that I don't often feel that, but I know what you mean. I think definitely with yeah. the realms of social media mm. and other women that are doing what I'm doing, yeah. definitely there's this sense of like competitiveness. What are they doing? I should be doing that. Do you know what I do mean? Do you think that comes mainly more from yourself or do you think there's like an arrogance and an ego with um, pe other people a that make of, you feel that way? A bit of both, really. Yeah. I'm a very competitive person. Yeah. Um, which isn't such a bad thing, but can be a bad thing sometimes because I always feel like I want to be the best at everything I do and I won't settle till I'm like the best at everything yeah. and I'm a bit of a perfectionist in that sense. So yeah, I guess a bit of both really. Mm. I try, mean, try finding somebody for your wedding. That's, that's tough because we've oh, got wow. our wedding next year. Have you? And I'm like, no, we're not having them. Congrats. Having them. No. Yeah, so uh, that's, that's my I'll do it. <laughs> But yeah, what you were saying about um, speakers and stuff, I've had, I, a couple of weeks ago I was doing a gig um, and I had someone spill a full pint of coke all over my mixing desk. Yeah. And it was just like, just horrendous. Yeah, it's not a lot you can do, is it? Because obviously pubs can't <clears throat> afford security guards every night. I know, I know some, I know a girl that has, uh, I don't know what they are, like, you know, ropes. Oh, right, I just yeah. think that's a bit pretentious. But yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You I don't always... want to look pretentious. I want to mm. connect with people and I feel like there's that barrier there and you're like, oh, I'm better than you. Yeah. You could have done with that one for Brian Adams' woman on Friday, oh, though. Yeah, it was this woman insisting. I mean, we were wearing in-ear monitors that night. We were trying yeah. them out, weren't we? So I couldn't even fucking hear her. But do Brian Adams, do Brian Adams. I don't know any Brian Adams. Just do it. It's not, doesn't really work like that. Just do it. I it felt was like all going night, up, you know. I felt like going up to her and said, you know what, that radio is broken down there. Go and fix it. And waited for her to say, I don't know how. And I've just gone, <laughs> I knew you'd get there in the end, love. But yeah, I, I wish I'd have said it now. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's another thing though. Like when someone comes up to you and they're like, oh, can you sing yeah. uh, this song? I'm like, sorry, I don't do it. Yeah. Oh, like, but such, a, such a body can, can do that. Oh yeah, well that's fair enough. I'm that's... not a jukebox. Yeah, I don't know yeah, every that's... song in the world. Yeah. And they, like, you know, like people get pissed off with you no, when you do. don't know. Have you ever had it where someone storms out because you can't do a song? I've had that before. No. Yeah. Oh, go somewhere else then. Really? Yeah, I've had that. Like, it was more at the start. But... I had a Sunderland fan. <clears throat> I had a Sunderland fan come to one of my gigs and they just got promoted from the playoffs. <laughs> and because I wouldn't do We Are The Champions, he got pissed off, started throwing a load of abuse at me and walked out. <laughs> I think the other thing is when they want to get up and sing. Oh, yeah, you get that, that as well. I, yeah. I, I, I was gigging somewhere and every time the music went quiet, yeah. can I sing yeah, yeah. like that? And I'd be like, no. Yeah, it's not yeah. karaoke, love. You do it's, find yourself, I mean, obviously we've, we've said how much we enjoy doing what we do. There are definitely downsides to it, but there's downsides for everything. But you do find yourself having the same conversations every Friday, Saturday night, don't absolutely. you? About how you can't do this song and, and yeah. I'll tell you what else I get. I get, I've had it like loads of times. Oh, 
my sister's um she yeah. does such and such thing on the voice yeah she can get you on oh. I'm, I'm telling you give me a number and uh, i'll send i've sent her a video of you and uh, yeah. she'll contact you tomorrow yeah. okay yeah, no. whatever <laughs> nothing ever comes with oh i've got this amazing idea you're gonna get all branded and <laughs> we're gonna do this and this and this and then i never hear from this person yeah, again and i'm yeah. like okay yeah. I, I don't know like i just feel like there's a lot of false hope that people put out for you and i think when i was first starting out i was like listening to all this and i was like oh my god is this strange mm. has just come up to me and he's gonna do this for yeah. me and this yeah <laughs> I like even when you give your card out you know for a fact yeah. that yeah. that pissed they're probably going to lose it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I take everything with a pinch of salt now even compliments yeah, I'm I just do. like oh yeah sad I never actually unless somebody comes up to me and goes oh I'm a musician <clears> in a band <throat> you know that's when I, my ears perk up everybody else it sounds really harsh because everybody's comments you know you should take everything but I think you just get a bit numb to stuff don't you yeah, yeah. That's, that's not the one you should take from musicians if you ever see anyone in the crowd doing this yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a musician and they're yeah. digging it. Oh. <laughs> That's it. Or they, or they want to. I think yeah. you can tell them apart, me. You know, yeah, you, you know. Yeah, we said this, didn't we? You can, you can tell a musician. Yeah. A musician always knows a musician. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Georgia, is there anything you'd like to add? Uh, I think it's been a, a nice. I've got to get off to a singing lesson now. So uh, with Chris Healy, shout out. Um, so uh, it's. Yeah, we're probably going to have to wrap it up unless you two have a one-to-one -one. Uh, after I leave. It's up to you. I but, uh, think we've exhausted all yeah, outcomes. Yeah. You look I'd just like to say, knackered. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'd just like to say thank you for having me on. Yeah, would I've you like to say anything to, your, um, to the people that support your music as well? Your TikTok followers, your room or whatever it was. Yeah. And also our, our followers room. who may, may also follow you. Where can they find you quickly? Yeah. Um, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, if you search up Just George. And obviously, thank you to all my followers for all your support as well. And thank you again for having me on. Cool. It's been fantastic. Nice one. Well, this is the end of our uh, first series, so we look forward to seeing you in the second series. And we're now going to finish the episode with just George's new tune. Would you like to introduce it, Georgia? So this, George, is, sorry. this is Love You Goodbye. Cheers. Cause it's love